So after looking at it for some while and, and really trying a lot of different solutions, I realized that there was a, a need for a device that really brings the smart home outdoors. And Auto is the world's first smart home sprinkler and uh, garden treatment system. If you are an irrigation professional, old or new, who designs, installs, or maintains high-end residential, commercial, or municipal properties, and you want to use technology to improve your business, to get a leg up on your competition, even if you're an old-school irrigator from the days of hydraulic systems, this show is for you. Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of The Sprinkler Nerd Show. I'm your host, Andy Humphrey. I'm really excited for today's episode because I have a guest with us that is not only changing the way people water their landscapes, but is also a young founder and president of this startup company. So there's a lot of great conversations and discussions that we can have today. My guest's name is Ali Sabti, and he's the founder and president of autolawn.com. And that's auto spelled O-T-O lawn.com. And before we kind of get into, you know, the, the topics that we're going to discuss, I'd love for you, Ali, just to introduce yourself. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot, Andy. I'm really happy to be here. So I'm Ali. I'm the uh, founder and, uh, and the president of Auto. And uh, ever since really a, a young age, I've been into building and innovation and always in, in a kind of a sustainable way. Uh, one of the one of the first things I ever you know kind of started was when I noticed in high school a lot of classmates were starting bands. So I got into computers and and learned about audio editing and and burning CDs and all that. And I would have them over at the time in my parents' garage and they'd do a recording session and I'd burn a CD for them and 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 get them that whole bespoke uh, uh, service. And and through that, I really fell in love with computers and what they're able to do. Because if you're a builder, uh, there's nothing greater than than the power of a computer where you can kind of build at scale at a really low cost. So I dove pretty deep into coding and the internet in, in the early 2000s. And around the middle of the 2000s, I started an online commerce store, scholarmarket.com. And this was... Um, you know, a, a business where students can go in, put in their, their university course code, and then it would pump out what, what the recommended uh, coursework and the books are, and then we can ship that to them. And I learned a lot about kind of businesses and cash flow and that really a, a lot of times uh, it's not only up to the product, but also the, the distribution of that. You know, after that experience, I I uh, dove quite deeply into physical product design. So I went to uh, mechanical engineering school, um, concentrated on automotive and, and did, a, did a master's in, in mechatronics. And then really spent the last 10 years before starting auto, traveling uh, globally, leading an automotive product. That's in one out of every three uh, vehicles in the world. And that taught me a lot about, uh, you know, and it's something only experience can teach you, which is the importance of reliability and, and manufacturability, supply chain, and how to really uh, build for scale. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, I like how you've kind of done the three, you have sort of like three legs to your the beginning of your career, building, coding, creating online, and then actually selling something, right? The scholarly site, um, and to me, I'm a big believer that when you first sell something, it totally changes the way you think because you can build and never sell anything. Absolutely. And when you build and then you sell something, 
it changes the way you know that you think. So those are those are great, uh, great and ways. To and get it's kind of important because it it ties back to this concept of you can't really build in a bubble. You you have to you have to always be seeking out user feedback. You know, for me that that initial you know you start with a problem of one. So you know about five or six years ago. I bought a home, um, you know, a little bit outside of Toronto, and it was a smaller home. And like I said, I was busy traveling the world, and I, and I had one child, and I had to figure out what to do with my yard, you know, both from a, an irrigation side and both from sort of what solutions to put down. So if you look at kind of where the industry is today, and then we'll get into, you know, really what auto is. But if you look at a homeowner now, uh, the first problem they've got to address is, well, how do I irrigate my yard? And uh, you know, if you've got a smaller, if you've got a smaller yard, it sometimes doesn't make sense to put in an in-ground because the the fixed cost of having someone come out and then trench and, and run the lines is really no different if you have 900, 1,000 square feet or, or you know two, three acres. Uh, the fixed cost is quite similar. So there was a really big gap in the market there of somebody that wanted an automated system like an in-ground if they've got a smaller property, there's a really wide open space there that that current technology wasn't wasn't addressing uh, and then obviously the the on the opposite side of the spectrum uh, a user could spend a lot of time doing this kind of manually or, or figure out moving sprinklers around or doing it by hand so that's the first kind of problem I, I i met with irrigation can i just stop you real quick so when we say fixed cost let's uh i think we I, i'd like to uh, define that be in my mind when i hear fixed cost i also think there's like a floor price so if you have no matter how small your your yard or your landscape is, to get a professional contractor out there with their equipment, their people, there is a minimum, right? And that might be, is that what yeah. you mean by so a fixed I'll cost? I'll give you the example of, of my place. I, I had 900 square feet, I believe, in the back and something like 750 in, in the front. And every quote I got was no less than $2,000 for the in-ground irrigation. Now, if you take that to a much larger property, say, you know, I, I have a friend that's got about a, an acre, it really was no different. It was $2,500 that, that the quote that they were getting or, or $3,000. So, you know, the, the, the cost that an irrigation company has to, has to incur to get somebody out there to trench and, and, you know, lay it all out and then design it, that's the bulk of the cost. And then, okay, the difference between 900 and 9,000 square feet then becomes on the material, right? That, and that necessarily is, is, the, is the large chunk of it. Absolutely. And remember, guys, if you're listening to this and you own a contracting company or you want to start your own, it's okay to have a minimum. It's okay to tell a homeowner if they say, man, I thought this was going to be $650. It's okay to stick to whatever your minimum is. If it's $2,000, yeah. then it's $2,000. And, and that's really important too, because something, uh, you know, that, that auto does now is, you know, we're not looking to, to displace or replace the existing systems because they've got their merits and they've got their place where, where they're really strong. We look at an opportunity for smaller yards, both from an irrigation and putting down uh, solutions, selecting the solutions and putting it down, um, you know, as, as really what we would like to address. So, that's the irrigation side of it, but on the lawn care treatment side, it's exactly the same thing because you can outsource that again uh, at some expense to a, a third party for a lawn care provider to do it, or you could spend the time of 
figuring out what to put down and then having to go and, and put these solutions down on a consistent basis. And it's exactly the same kind of problem. If you think about someone coming out to treat mosquitoes, for example, well, if you've got a 900 or, or, or a thousand square foot kind of yard, the price difference is not very, you know, is not very large as compared to an acre, because again, they've got to bring a person out, They've got to have the truck anyways. So you're talking about just a, a difference of maybe applying for five minutes versus 10 minutes. So that's why if you've got a smaller yard, you really don't have that many options when it comes to irrigation and, and these different you know, treatments that promote growth and or, or kind of deter pests. So after looking at it for some while and, and really trying um, a lot of different solutions, realized that there was a, a need for a device that really brings the smart home outdoors. And this is what we came up with. And, and Auto is the world's first smart home sprinkler and uh, garden treatment center uh, system. And uh, what it does, in, in addition to obviously saving time and, and money, is it also addresses yard care in this different perspective that factors in all the all the waste. So there's a, there's a tremendous amount of water waste in a lot of different irrigation systems because of the accuracy, because of uh, kind of lack of, of of maybe the intelligence to intake things like soil moisture, and you can always add these on, uh, and then also the the different harmful chemicals that are that are being used uh, in the yard. So, what Auto is is a smart outdoor device um, that you can put right on your lawn, or you can mount up on a fence, or or or, or, or kind of somewhere higher where you can get better line of sight. Uh, and it's a single device that shoots a stream that it can control and, and move around uh, based on what you select. So it's a solar powered device that only requires a hose and a Wi-Fi connection. It covers around 2,800 square feet. And it's what's responsible for the precision watering. And it's also where the solutions load into. And we'll talk about that in a second. The second part of the solution is an app. So through the app, uh, this is where the user defines their zones. They can define up to 10 zones and they select the different vegetations and, and plant types and they can interact with the device in real time and, and check the weather. And then finally, to complete the package, um, Auto also have a set, has a set of solutions that are all people, pet and planet safe. So right now we've got a, a fertilizer and a, and a mosquito repellent solution, but these are solutions that you scan with. Uh, they've got a QR code on the top of them. You scan them with the, with the app and then you'll load that right into the device. And this is really where the magic happens because, uh, because the device is, is cloud connected, what it can do is it can start optimizing uh, a lot for, you know, one to put a solution down, wind, weather, temperature, humidity, rain, you know, moisture, temperature, and really kind of optimizes uh, the way that it, that, it, that it puts these solutions down. So, you know, these solutions, um, you know, it was a decision to go natural because, again, I was trying to solve my own problem. I've got kids and pets, and I didn't want to use anything that was, you know, synthetic and, and harmful. So it wasn't only me that wanted to do that. We realized a lot of homeowners want to use natural solutions as well. So, you know, the problem, though, with natural solutions is that you've got to apply them in small amounts frequently to really get the most out of them. Uh, and then really what, what Auto then does, because it's a cloud-connected device, is by being able to frequently and accurately dose these solutions to small amounts, it makes going uh, natural really uh, effortless. Yeah. So there, there's a whole bunch of things going on with this, um, with your technology. And what I think is pretty fascinating, I would love to unpack more, is there's not just one technology here. You've got 
sole. Well, first of all, you've got a, a sprinkler in a box that is different than the sprinklers that we see today. So for you guys listening, this is, you know, you're hearing it through your ears. You can't see what we're talking about. I encourage you to go to autolon.com, otolon.com and check it out. So you can actually visually understand what it is we're talking about. So you've got an innovative sprinkler that sort of the way I describe it, paints the yard. It doesn't spray in a curtain type pattern. It paints the yard back and forth, watering in a different way. Then you've got solar on this device to power it. That's, that's technology. You've got Wi-Fi built into it. There's technology. Then it's got to connect to an app on, in the cloud. You know, there's additional technology. Then you've got all these solutions that you can put in there. And so this, this would be much less complicated if all you had was one sprinkler that yeah. painted the yard. That sounds like that would be like freaking right. easy compared to everything yeah. that you've got inside the, the yeah. auto box the, the, per se. The kind of, I mean, technology is a, is a means to, to, to do something. So, you know, really when you look at convenience for the customer, um, you've got the, the watering aspect of it. Uh, but, you know, given that the kind of technology advancements now and, and being able to pull things like weather data and, and evapotranspiration for different for different type of crop types that you have, um, you, you first of all realize a lot of savings just from having that, just from not watering when it's raining or, or when you need to. Uh, but the other side of it is is what we noticed is a lot of homeowners, and this is particularly, you know, after this this whole, you know, kind of concept of COVID and, and people staying home, working from home, or a lot of people are getting into yard care that are not necessarily green thumbs, right? So they're looking for a familiar piece of technology that can help them uh, do that on a consistent basis. So we, we did a lot of research and it showed that, you know, people get into it, they set up maybe a garden bed or they, you know, put down new sod or something. And, and, and it's not only a, the, the inconvenience of having to go out there uh, on a consistent basis, but it's just, it's not possible for them to kind of keep that canvas on a bi-weekly because of, you know, how busy they are, which is exactly the reason I, I started and, and, and kind of built the device out in the first place. So, you know, both of these things, the irrigation and the, you know, promoting growth and being able to push away pests is, is really important. Yeah. And remind me, what is the typical square footage of your ideal size customer? Yeah. So if you think about, you know, auto can shoot uh, to about 30 feet if you've got 50 PSI uh, and, it, and it connects to your hose bed. And and that, if you do the math, that's around 2,800 square feet, but no one's really putting it in the middle of the yard and doing that. Uh, what we're noticing is, you know, 90% or more customers are using it for 1,500 square feet or less. So, you know, they're using one side of the, the, the full circle or they're using some some portion of that. Right. No, I think, and I was asking for two reasons. Number one, so I could kind of understand the type of customer or create a picture in my mind of, of what a, a home looks like that or a townhouse or, or a side apartment yard, things like that. You know, the beauty of this is that, you know, for those professionals that are listening, your average customer is likely not a 1500 square foot yard. You're, you're, you're going after bigger, bigger customers. And these ones with the smaller yards or smaller landscapes are going to their hardware store, their lawn care store, their nursery, their garden center to, to find solutions. 
Yeah. And, and that's kind of, you know, was my struggle too. When I was getting different quotes for, for my own property, there was a lot of actual irrigation uh, technicians and, and, and companies that wouldn't even take it. They wouldn't even entertain a quote because, you know, it's 20 feet by 30 feet, you know, like, what do you want us to, to do in that space? So this is where I think, and, and it's resonated with a lot of customers now that we're out in the market, that there's this this gap and what we're doing is we're now creating kind of a program where we can work with these irrigation uh, companies that you know it gives them that extra level of service that if somebody does call them for a 1,000 square foot uh, yard you know they might not be able to do it with their traditional kind of way of, of, of the in-ground but then they can say look we can offer you this solution and it'll take us a couple of minutes to install and then it, it helps kind of bridge that gap and gives them another another tool in their toolbox to use. Yeah, it's kind of it reminds me of maybe making more of a service call. So they're not going out there to schedule a whole day and a crew and bring their equipment. It's a little bit yeah. more like a service call. Time and material will come out for three hours. Maybe the hose bib needs to be semi-permanent and put under a walkway and move to a position that's more um, ideal to, to place the, uh, the auto. Yeah, I mean, that, there, there's uh, there's a lot there, but to, let, let's go back to the to this concept of kind of where, where it fits and where it works best. Uh, you know, we see it as... Um, 8,400 square feet and lower. So that's about three units. Um, and that's really the, the, if you start looking at, you know, the cost of an in-ground sprinkler system on a per square foot basis, and you, you know, you plot that on a chart, you start to see that around the 8,400 square foot kind of, you know, it flattens out that it really doesn't get cheaper when you go from 8,000, 5,000 down to 2,000 square feet. So that's the, that's kind of the, the area that, that we play and we're seeing the, the most success. Awesome. So that's basically the floor where that's the gap. <laughs> and, and above, above 8,400 square feet, I mean, it, it could work, but then you start running into things like water availability and, 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 and sort of having hoses run over all over the place. And so that's not really where we kind of compete strongly, right? But in the, in the smaller yard areas and more of the suburban cities and the homes, um, there's a big gap there. And, and that's what we're addressing with this device. Yeah. Awesome. So I heard, you know, how you came up with the idea. You sort of saw, scratched your own itch, solved your own problem. Can you share a little bit about how you went from idea to product or, or maybe the way I kind of like to describe it is from like zero to one? So it didn't look like that five years ago, right? So these, you know, ideas evolve over time and, you know, every day you learn something new. So in the beginning, it was me in my garage solving my own problem. So when you start every day as you're kind of exploring the solution for yourself and then you start to get your neighbors involved, you start seeing um, kind of trends and you start seeing gaps and you evolve that over time. So really, you know, how you take it, you know, how you go from zero to one, it's this concept of compounding. So every day you go out there and you say, well, the problem still exists. And this is why it's important to, you know, not necessarily go after an idea for a product, but to go after, you know, solving a problem because that never changes. You know, the, the product has changed a lot over the past five years, but my problem of not being able to irrigate and treat my yard on a, on a small, on a small yard stayed consistent. So then what it kind of becomes when you're evolving that idea is looking all of these 
different pieces that you're trying to fit together and always relating it back to the problem. Okay, am I still addressing the problem? Am I, am I improving on, on losing the problem? So that's on one side on the product. And then on, you know, how do you validate that? Well, if you start with a problem of one, then you could probably seek out asking customers, well, do you have this problem? You know, maybe neighbors you start first, maybe you start with friends and you got to be careful because what if you're asking, you know, the people with the, you know, two, three acre yards and they'll say, well, I've, I've got, I've got this, this won't, this won't work because they don't have that problem. So the, the first stage kind of an idea is you've got to get a starting point, confirm that the problem exists for more than just yourself. And you have to do an honest survey of products out in the market to solve your problem. That was exactly what I was going to ask you. If you ask your friends, how do you say, I, I don't want you to be nice to me? You're like, yeah. do not say this is great because you think that's what I want to hear. How, how do you get that honest yeah. feedback? When you ask people for opinion, especially if they know you, they'll give you one of two things. Um, either they'll be really nice to you and, and give you kind of you know, advice that's not very honest. Oh, they'll try to shut it down because they're scared for you and they don't want you to take the risk. So it's often kind of a bad idea to ask the people around you. And, and, and you know, it, you know, you're very close contact to them, but you should figure out where your customers are and how you will get to that. Because one of the most difficult things about, uh, you know, kind of building out a business is not the product, but it's the distribution. It's once you've gotten a product, how do you get people interested and you get them to try it and get it to resonate with them? So that's really where you got to start from day one as well is validating that the problem exists, that people with small yards have got no option but to spend a lot of time um, you know, going out there and doing it manually uh, or spend a lot of money kind of overdoing it by getting you know, something that really is made for, for larger properties. Yeah, that's great. Uh, because you want to make sure the problem is not just singular. It's not just Ali's problem. It has to be right. a problem that has enough scale behind it to be able to sell a number of units to make this even a, val a viable yeah. business opportunity. Yeah. The, the other side of that too is you have to make sure that your problem uh, is trending the way that the market is going. So, you know, a few trends that that's really helped us out. Uh, people are more environmentally conscious about, you know, not only water usage, but only about the types of solutions. They want to use natural products. Um, uh, and then a lot of people too, another trend that, that uh, it was kind of the silver lining for COVID for us is a lot of people started getting into, um, you know, kind of caring for the yard and they needed something to help them out, not only on the irrigation side, but also on, okay, well, how do I now go and sit outside because I'm spending so much more time in their outdoor living space than they used to maybe two years ago. So even before, if they would have no looked at uh, maybe a pest control device, now they really want something that that's going to be able to address that on a, on a kind of convenient, natural, uh, low risk way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I want to uh, ask a little bit more about this zero to one. How did you Talk to us if you, whatever you're willing to share uh, financially, yeah. did you use your own money, friends and family? H how did you get the money together to go out and decide to make this happen? So wh wherever you start, I, I started with, with obviously my, my own money, uh, a little bit of my own money. And uh, you don't, you don't need a ton of money to validate an idea, right? So it doesn't cost you a lot to do market research. It doesn't cost you a lot to talk to people. It costs you a lot of time. Uh, it, it probably maybe uh, cost you your ego if people are, are, are kind of not not giving you the answers that that you want to hear. But, you know, 
fundraising and building a business is all about these small compounding wins. So if you start with $1,000, well, what can I do with the $1,000 that proves there's a market here? And then from there, you go maybe to a larger check size. And, and that's exactly how it's built. It, it has to kind of, you know, you get zero to one by, you know, going 0 0.001, 0 0.002. And that's how you get, you know, kind of from, from zero to one. So, yeah. um, you know, I started with, with kind of my own uh, capital, uh, but then it caught the eye of, of an automotive uh, venture investment uh, wing uh, that, 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 I mean, I knew through, through working. It was the company that I worked for. They decided to go in with, with kind of an amount, a smaller amount, and it was exactly the same thing. Is, okay, instead of $1,000, it's now 10000 It's like, okay, well, what can I do? Uh, all right. So then you start kind of making movements and traction towards towards kind of getting there. So it's all about showing progress. Uh, and if you're even starting small and you show progress and, and you talk to people and customers and, and, and then then help comes to you when people observe that you're actually doing something, you you stir up dust and the universe somehow notices that and, and throws good people to help you along the way. Right, right. That uh, that's resonating with me because when people ask me about e-commerce and I want to start an e-commerce company, how do I do it? And it's like, well, I, I'm not gonna. I can't tell you. Only you can tell you what you're interested in and what you want to sell and what you want to do. But you got to go get one order. Like you yeah. have to just get an order. You got to sell one thing on your website to Absolutely. understand it. Number one, it validates that you can do it. And number two, that is the day that you start learning something. <laughs> yep, I agree. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, in full disclosure, I have never used the auto. So if you're listening, this is not, uh, you know, this is not me, you know, telling you to go get one or anything. I have one on order. Uh, I cannot wait for it to arrive so that I can, you know, check it out and, and use it and learn from it. Uh, what is the scheduled release? When are you seeing these available to market? So uh, we start shipping uh, in two weeks, in the middle of May, and and uh, you know we're we're working through the the backlog of orders that we have. But uh, in two weeks, we start shipping on a on a regular basis. So customers will should should get these units in in May and into June. Um, you know, we we uh, the market demand's been really really strong. That we're doing everything that we can to. To get it out quick. I mean, one of the things that we did is instead of using um, sea shipping, we're not using kind of air freight to to make sure that we get the we get the units out as quickly as possible in time for spring and summer. Wow. Well, that's that's keeping your customer in mind first, because you know, I know how expensive air shipment is compared to sea. So I know yeah. that you guys are you know sacrificing uh, a lot of profit to to make that happen and get these in the hands of your customers quickly. You you know what, you know, so you as the inventor, founder and, and president, those are kind of three different roles and have three different sort of, uh, you know, responsibilities and um, also liabilities that come come with those. If you don't mind me asking, what right now keeps you up at night? There's a lot of supply chain issues in the world right now, and it's compounding. So you have, you know, COVID's really affected supply chain in general. Um, you know, there was this Suez Canal kind of issue for, for a while, and, and we thought it wouldn't affect us, but, you know, lo and behold, it, it does. It affects the entire global supply chain. Uh, there's a shortage on microprocessors and chips and silicon coming into, coming into the U.S. Um, so a lot of it really has to do with these external factors about being able to move components around and get them on time and, and get them on a regular kind of basis. So 
a lot of my thoughts are towards, you know, kind of how do we get inventory? How do we assemble inventory in a time, timely fashion? How do we get it to customers in a, in a timely fashion? That's really the, the, the big fact that I spend a lot of my, my brain power on, on that, especially the past two, three months. Gotcha. So it basically bottles down to like delivery. You're, what's keeping you up right now is get, getting all the supply chain together so you can deliver this item, you this bet. product. And you know, we you mentioned and and I sort of uh, reiterated the different technologies that you have inside of of this product. Is there one of them that is uh, more difficult, or was there one of them that was more difficult to bring to market than another? You always have. Physical hardware uh, is always more difficult than software for a couple of reasons. Um, one is it's a physical product. So there's this, you, you have to, after you've designed it, you've got to bring it to life. So there are, you know, details about, well, how do you tool this thing and the different things like surface finishes and, and, and you know, kind of the quality side of it. Um, but then the, the, the other side of physical hardware design um, is the, the lead time that that's associated with all the lag between the time that you go and make a change or you decide to add a new new function and the time that it will actually be in your hands. You know, in software, you can make a, a line of code and then you could execute and push it into production in, in a day. Uh, well, you can't do that with physical products. You have to go through the design and then you, when you get the parts, you have to make sure that they're actually the specs and then you roll them in. So in terms of challenges for the device, with all the complexities around, you know, the Wi-Fi and the backend intelligence, all, all of it, it's still the parts we can touch that are actually the most difficult, the hardware pieces. Wow, that makes sense. Um, I didn't ask in the beginning, I meant to. What's your team look like? What's the company look like today? Uh, so there's uh, 12 of us full-time, and, and we've got some contractors and in, in, in different different roles. Uh, a lot of that team is pretty much engineering. It's pretty much all engineering because there's so many different types of engineers we want. We need everything from, you know, production and, and, and you know, mechanical, electronics, software, mechatronics. Uh, so it's just a lot of engineers. We do have some some fantastic product uh, folks and, and marketing people too, uh, but it's very heavy on the engineering because that's sort of the stage we're at. And then how do you, where do you see bridging the gap from uh, engineering? Where do you see as your sales channel? Do you have a couple things in mind that you know if you execute on, you'll be able to sell through inventory? Yeah, our, our current direct uh, to consumer route uh, is, is what we're doing for this year. So, you know, we've got our website, autolon.com. Customers can go in and put their address uh, and then, uh, you know, recommend how many types of units that they need and, and, and they can check out through that. We're in talks with different retailers as well to be able to load this in for, for the following year. And then, you know, beyond that, maybe into 2023 and beyond, there's a lot of pull from different uh, you know, global kind of, you know, places where, you know, because of water scarcity or because of environmental consciousness that we would grow into that 2023 and beyond. Awesome. Well, this has been a fantastic discussion. Um, I've learned a lot already. I'm really excited for you to get these units out there because based on what you just told me, you guys are really good at getting feedback. And so yeah. I'm excited to sort of see where auto goes, not only in the next 24 months, but also in the next five years, because I'm, I'm a believer that sometimes you have to have a new technology where you're doing to even discover what the next technology is. And sometimes they lead to each other. So it could be that there's something you guys find in 24 months that is a result of what you bring to market now. And I'm excited to see what those opportunities might be. So I appreciate you sharing everything. Thanks, Ali. 
Absolutely. If somebody wants to learn more, where, where should we direct them? Uh, the website is the best place. So autolawn, O-T-O-L-A-W-N.com or on our social uh, social channels, um, you know, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Also at, at autolawn, uh, you know, autolawn is, is our handle, their social handles. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. Appreciate you sharing everything. And uh, guys, go take a look at autolawn and uh, see if you've got a customer fit for it. Great. Thank you for your time. Uh, and it was my pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, thanks so much. Appreciate it, Ali. Take care. Thanks, Andy. Bye.